welcome. So uh, if you're new with us, my name's Tim. I get to serve here on pastoral staff and teach maybe uh, half the time and it counted a real privilege to do so. Uh, as uh, Michelle said at the beginning of our service today, we're entering this season, leading these four Sundays leading up to Christmas, which uh, throughout, uh, throughout the history of people following Jesus, many people have set this time aside, this time, this kind of month before Christmas, and um, to prepare their hearts again to celebrate uh, the coming of the Son of God into the world. And they call this season Advent. Um, it's from the Latin Adventus which means uh, like arrival or, you know, to come. And, uh, and, and the idea, there's kind of this twin focus. One is remembering kind of when uh, the people of God, uh, before the arrival of Jesus, were waiting, anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. And uh, for us on the other side of that, we now, we now wait um, for Jesus to come again and, and set all things right. And so we're in, this, we're in this season together as a church family, this Advent season, this, this season of waiting for arrival. And, uh, and during this time this year, we're going to do a, a short series of teachings on the person of Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. So that's where we'll be uh, these next weeks uh, before Christmas. And so we're going to start that today. And today, uh, I wanted to kind of, the kind of the framing idea to, would be who is who was the real Mary? Who was the real Mary? I'd like us to kind of consider that question as, as we talk today. And, and the, what we're going to do this morning is instead of like a normal just kind of teaching time, six years ago uh, at Hillcrest, six years ago, I took uh, the, the Luke 1, 26 through 38 that was read um, at the candle lighting at the beginning of the service and kind of retold that story wrote it as a story, and, sh- and shared it here. Some of you might have even been here six years ago when we did that. Um, but as I, was, as I was thinking and praying about this morning, how to start off the real Mary, you know, the series on Mary, I just thought, I want to share that with you all again. And so that's what we're going to, we're going to have story time this morning. Does that sound good with you all? Yeah, story time. So we have our story time chair. This is going to be the morning's teaching time. We're going to have story time. And this is a, um, we're entering into the story of the real Mary, and based on Luke 1, 26 through 38. So let me, uh, let me begin. Imagine, imagine in your mind a small hilltop village, but centuries ago in a distant land. In this small town is a young girl, around 13, going about her day texting, posting to Instagram, but mainly doing her daily chores, grinding grain, milking goats, and sewing clothes. An ordinary girl in an ordinary town on an ordinary day. Now in her village resides people mainly from her same tribe, fiercely independent people. But her people did not rule their own land in that day. You see, a foreign power, people who spoke a different language and worshipped different gods, had conquered the land years ago, and now she and her people lived as their subjects. The main way they felt this was when every year part of their family harvest was taken from them and sent to a distant city where the foreign rulers lived. Of course, it was more complicated than that. A puppet king who claimed to be one of her own people sat on the throne of the nation, but everyone knew he reigned as a stooge for the foreign empire. Other than the part of the family harvest taken, 
The other main reminder of the foreign empire for the small town was the valley this village on the hilltop looked down on. The village rested above the largest, lushest, most productive valley in the entire land. It could feed thousands, tens of thousands. The foreign empire and their stooge king controlled every inch of it. Instead of farming down in that valley, the small hilltop village scratched a living out of the hard scrabble hill they lived on. Now, in this village, they loved stories. Particularly, they love stories of their people from long ago, and even more particularly, stories about that valley. Salvation stories, deliverance stories, revolution stories. The ordinary girl smiled as she recalled these stories, like the one when the foreign raiders had moved into the land and stolen all the crops and livestock of the people. They descended like a plague of locusts, But then the God of her people, he had chosen a lowly man from a lowly clan, armed him with nothing more than 300 men, trumpets and torches. And they defeated the raiders whose army ran into the tens of thousands. Trumpets and torches, horns and candles. Can you believe it? They found deliverance, salvation right down in that valley. One of the young girl's favorite stories was about another time when foreigners from the north had moved into the valley and conquered her people and all the surrounding regions. They had moved in with chariots of iron. Her people had nothing like chariots of iron. This time, the god her people worshipped raised up a woman to rally the people. She and an army had prepared to fight the invaders with their chariots of iron. A hopeless cause, except that God sent a rainstorm as the fighting began. The chariots got stuck in the mud, and this warrior woman and her army routed the invaders. The young girl loved it. A woman leading an army, God delivering his people right down in that valley. So this ordinary girl in this ordinary town on an ordinary day paused as she was fetching water and stared off into that valley, watching the foreign soldiers moving along the highways in the distance and the stooge king's workers harvesting the fields, nothing more than specks on fields of gold. She found herself imagining what it must have been like when the great king, the first great king of her people, the one they said was after God's own heart, ruled the land with goodness and justice. She knew it was so long ago, a thousand years if truth be told, but her people had never forgotten that king. Their God made a promise to that king. You see, the king had wanted to build a temple, a house for God, but God had said, no, I will build a house, a kingdom for you, and it will never, ever Ever end. Now, after him, there had been a mishmash of other kings, some good, some downright evil, and now there was no true king, just the foreign empire and its stooge. But she knew that those strange men and women, the prophets, told of the coming one, a coming king, 
who would arrive, who would take up the promised throne, restore peace and justice, and reign a never-ending kingdom. In fact, one ancient prophet wrote that this light in the darkness would happen in the lands around her village. Maybe if she was lucky, it would happen in her lifetime. Maybe she would see the deliverance of her people again. Maybe it would happen down in that valley. But a distant view of such great events is all she could hope for, this ordinary girl in an ordinary town on an ordinary day. The biggest thing that had ever happened to her was her recent engagement. Around the age of 13, as was customary, her father had gotten in contact with another man in the village and arranged her marriage. She knew it to be a good family. In fact, they traced their lineage back to the first great king. And while she didn't know the young man well, and he was a number of years older than her, she knew that he had a reputation as a decent, honest man. In one sense, it would be a big change, leaving her family behind, moving in with him and his family, perhaps before too long becoming a mother. In another sense, it wouldn't be much of a change at all. It would be the same daily work, daily chores, farming, cleaning, cooking, mending, making, now only for her husband's family instead of her own. She was no princess, no queen. She would do as all women in her village did, day after day, year after year, an ordinary girl in an ordinary town on an ordinary day. But then, something happened. Someone arrived. Arrival is like a cross between an interruption and an invitation. You know how these things happen. You never expect it, do you? The phone rings, a letter arrives, a conversation begins. It had just been a normal drive to school, day at work, phone call catching up. You had been thinking about what was for lunch, tomorrow's assignment, what to wear, and suddenly you face a crossroads, and the narrow, difficult path splits off from the broad, easy way, and you have a decision to make. For the young girl, it happened like this. She was grinding grain in the house alone, and a man appeared in the doorway. It was like no man she had ever seen, and she wasn't sure if she saw it or merely felt it, but it was as if he was on fire. And he spoke. Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. She found the words a bit stiff, even formal. Greetings? She wasn't used to older men addressing her other than her family members and never a man like this, this fiery one. And what did he call her? Highly favored? What does that mean? Doesn't that mean something like chosen, picked, set apart? But by whom? For what? She'd never been chosen for anything other than her recent engagement to an ordinary boy in that ordinary town. He spoke again. The Lord, Yahweh, the God of your people, is with you. What does he mean by that? Perhaps the man is confused. He doesn't seem to be from around here. Maybe he found the wrong home. And the young girl, startled, confused, 
and afraid, couldn't even manage a single word. The fiery man went on, Do not fear, Miriam. Oh yeah, that was the young girl's name in the tongue of her people, Miriam. You have found favor with God. He said it again. What did he mean that she had found favor? She knew it was nothing she had done. The God of her people had simply chosen her. An ordinary girl in an ordinary town on an ordinary day. Chosen. I choose you. Her mouth went dry. She felt her heart pounding in her temples and began finding it hard to catch her breath. And the fiery man continued, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Yeshua. That, in the tongue of her people, means the Lord saves. Today we might translate it, Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his forefather, the great king of old, and he will reign over your people forever. His kingdom will never end. And with that, the edges of the young girl's vision first grew blurry, then grew dark. It was like she was looking at the man through the end of a straw. And it seemed as if the floor was moving beneath her. And all she could say was, Did you say pregnant? This ordinary girl did not know a lot about revolution, deliverance, and coming kings. But she did know what she had and had not done with any boys in that village. And knew enough that pregnant was definitely not a possibility. She also knew a bit about how young, unmarried, pregnant girls were viewed by small towns, by their parents, by their fiancés. Doesn't he know what this will cost me? What kind of choosing was this? God had chosen her, which was strange, totally caught her off guard, but maybe not so bad. But chosen her for what? To ruin her life? Sure, she wanted the future king, the Messiah, to come as much as anybody did. But why this way? Why her? Why pregnant? Her life wasn't easy, but it wasn't painful. It didn't cost so much. Her life felt comfortable. Her life felt safe. She liked her life. She liked where her life was going, and it did not involve fiery men and future kings. Couldn't she have been chosen for something a little easier? Did you say pregnant? Yes, he replied. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of God will hover over you. And the child you bear will be called Holy, the Son of God. Oh, there you go. That answers all the questions a young girl in that situation might have. She had heard the stories about how the Creator God had formed all things, the first man, the first woman at the beginning of time, how His Spirit had hovered over this world at the very beginning, how the Spirit of God had filled the first man's chest with breath. What kind of child would this be that the Spirit would hover over her and again make new? And what kind of child would be called holy, the Son of God? The man went on. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son old as she is? Everyone called her barren. And here she is, six months pregnant. 
The name of her cousin Elizabeth caught the young girl off guard. How did this man know of her? Elizabeth pregnant too? And looking her in the eye, he concluded, for nothing is impossible with God. Or said another way, for when God speaks, it will never fail. Because with God, a promise made is a promise kept. And in a moment on this ordinary day when her whole world turned upside down, what would she say to her parents? What would her fiancé think? What if he leaves her? In her day, in her village, the options for an unwed mother were slim and none. What kind of child is this going to be? And who is she to be his mother? What would her friends think? Who is she to try and undertake something like this? How will she get through the next year? How will she get through the next day? The stories of the valley came rushing back into her mind. The lowly man from the lowly clan, the warrior woman, even the great king of old, holding the nation together in justice and peace. When God had chosen them, the fear they too must have felt, the indecision in the face of enemies and obstacles, and they didn't feel like well-worn stories from long ago anymore, but more like friends who had gone ahead of her, who could understand the moment she was in. And the first words the fiery man spoke to her began ringing in her head. The Lord is with you. Do not fear. The Lord is with you. And then something happened that may have even surprised that fiery man. That one who had spoken to priests and prophets who watched kings and queens. That one who had just delivered what he considered to be the most important message of his long and distinguished career to this young girl in a forgotten corner of the world. She spoke the bravest words. He had ever heard. I am a servant of our God. May his will, the words you have spoken, come to pass just as you have said. The fiery man who always had the last word in every conversation had no response to these noble words. It was his turn to be speechless. He simply and quietly left. A child was to be born. A son was to be given. Little did that young girl know that years later, this child would stand in that village and announce that the day of deliverance had arrived. She didn't know that down in that valley he would tell a dead son of a widowed mother to arise. And he would speak to lepers, be healed. She didn't know that his final journey would go through that valley as his dusty feet made their way to the city and the hills where he would be killed. She didn't know that the foreign soldiers who walked those roads would one day staple her son to a stake. Or that the deliverance he would bring would be deeper and wider than she could imagine. Not just for her people from that foreign empire, but for all people and for all time. From the enemies of sin, Satan, and even death itself. 
that the tiny life begun in her was the Son of God become man so that men and women could become sons and daughters of God. How could she know these things? She was an ordinary girl in an ordinary town on an ordinary day. And then, Adventus, arrival, God shows up when she least expected it and chose her. Not for anything she had done, he simply chose her. He said, you, I choose you. Not for what you may have chosen for yourself, but for the place, the road I have chosen for you. Chosen for my Messiah, my son, to be formed in you, to bring my salvation into this hurting world. Don't worry. I'll do the heavy lifting. All I ask is for you to trust me. Don't be afraid. I am with you. When for better or for worse hurts more than you thought it would. When my first choice of a college is different than your first choice of a college. When I trust you with a task that you would have never asked for yourself. When the road of easy feel good and the road of faithful trust head in opposite directions. Do not be afraid. I am with you. If you trust me, even in the face of great difficulty, I will do things in and through you you would have never imagined. This ordinary girl, chosen by God, was faced with one simple decision. How would she respond? Our lives often boil down to one simple decision. How will we respond? Would she trust him? In spite of the cost called far beyond the life she had imagined for herself, facing into an unknown future, into all the joy and pain this call may lead to, would she trust him? Will we trust him? In spite of the cost, into the unknown, into things you may have never chosen for yourself, into all the joy and pain that may bring. Will we say these brave words with her? I am the Lord's servant. Adventus, arrival. God showed up some 2,000 years ago in a young girl's life. A child was born. A son was given. We wait for God to come again in all His power and love and make all things right. And we live in the waiting period, the in-between when God shows up in small, big, and unexpected ways. Ordinary people in an ordinary town on ordinary days. Do not fear. He is with you. Blessed is she who trusts in him. Let's pray.
Father, Son, Spirit. These, uh, these scriptures uh, that you have written down, they were the lives of real men and women uh, seeking to follow you uh, in real circumstances. You encountered people. You changed their lives. Jesus, you stepped into human history uh, to rescue and to adopt us into your family. Lord, keep, keep these things from just being dusty old stories. But Lord, would you invite us to find ourselves in them, to be addressed by you through them, that you, living God, are here by your Spirit continuing to arrive and encounter and to call us out. Would you give us ears to hear your voice and the courage to respond? We pray all this in the good and strong name of Jesus. Amen.